0: KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org.
1: Welcome to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9, a show that plugs you into the community. I'm Mavini Burnham, a video radio production major at Salt Lake Community College. Stay tuned today because we are covering important Utah legislation regarding sun's gun safety and we'll talk about the Great Salt Lake as well as transgender rights and more. Later tonight, we'll be highlighting pop culture and sports. Before we start our show, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that KCL is on occupied Shoshone, Goshute, and Ute land. The Shoshone, Goshute, and Ute nations still exist today and are the rightful stewards of this land. These nations, peoples, and tribes should be recognized as the rightful stewards of this land, and the land should be returned to them. Our first guests tonight are Ed Rutan from the Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah, and from SLCC's The Globe, student-run newspaper, Kyle Forbush. Thank you for coming in, guys. Welcome, welcome. I know it is pretty cold out here. I'm so glad you were able to make it. How is everyone feeling today?
2: Great. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing
3: great, Mavini. Thank you very much. I wouldn't have been able to make it yesterday, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It is so good to have you both here in the studio. Today, we're going to be talking a bit about gun safety regulations, specifically regarding Utah's legislations. Um, First off, uh, Ed... um, You are a a board member at the Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah. Can you tell me a bit about your role at the GVPC?
2: Well, I am on the board uh, and the mission uh, of the GVPC is to prevent the tragedy of gun violence through education and reasonable regulation of firearms. And I emphasize the word reasonable there. We're not trying to take away everybody's (laughs) guns. We're just looking for reasonable regulations. We're a nonpartisan 501c3 organization, and we're the Utah affiliate uh, of States United to Prevent Gun Violence. Uh, about 30 years ago, Salt Lake City architect and artist Ron Mullen and his late wife Norma founded an organization called Utah's Against Gun Violence after their son had tragically been shot and killed uh, while in college. Uh, the Molins and uh, some other concerned citizens uh, formed GVPC in 2004, so we've been around uh, for uh, 20-some years in our current uh, form. Education is our primary activity. Uh, we have put together a, a booklet uh, called Utah Gun Violence, an Issue of Public Health and Safety, which is available on our website. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, that information gives people uh, statistics about the extent and nature of gun violence uh, in Utah. We're usually one of the hosts of the uh, annual vigil that marks the tragedy at Sandy Hook. Uh, we also work with an organization called Raw Tools to give people the opportunity to turn in their unneeded, unwanted firearms, uh, to have them melted down and turned into uh, garden tools, uh, into swords into plowshares, uh, in a manner uh, of uh, speaking. Uh, We speak at uh, opportunities like this, uh, and we also uh, testify at legislative hearings on uh, bills relating to uh, preventing gun violence.
1: Oh, wow, so some really important work that you guys are doing at the Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah. Um, We will go ahead and link to uh, the webpage just so that our listeners can have Mm -hmm. easy access. So make sure to check out the uh, web notes after the show has concluded. And
2: that's uh, gvpc.org is the website.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. And Kyle, it's great to have you here, part of this conversation. Uh, As you may have seen in the media, we have had more mass shootings in 2023 than we have had days this year. Uh, With the legislation uh, session coming to a close soon, gun safety has been on my mind, legislators' minds, and has it been on yours as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. But I want to, as tragic as the mass shootings are, We really cannot lose sight of the day-to-day tragedies that occur. That's where the numbers really occur. 400 people a year die from gun violence uh, in Utah, and we may only have one or two, if any, mass shootings in any given year. But year in and year out, 400 uh, or more people are dying from gun violence. Uh, so where's that Utah. number
1: coming from? The 400 deaths, if they're not mass shootings, why is that 400? Well,
2: uh, the tragedy of suicide uh, accounts for about 85% uh, of the gun deaths in Utah. Utah is uh, not unique in that regard, but somewhat unusual with suicide being so central to, uh, uh, to the problem of gun violence in Utah. Domestic violence uh, is next, and then uh, homicide uh, is is kind of third in line. But really, the problem of gun violence in Utah cannot be addressed without addressing suicide.
1: Which is truly unfortunate that this is the reality we live in. But I think as Utahns, we are trying to work to make this uh, problem better. Um, Kyle, are you aware of any bills in the legislature about uh, gun safety?
3: Absolutely. So we are going to talk more about legislation in the next segment. Right now, I do want to talk a little bit about House Bill 354. So House Bill 354 was introduced by Representative Andrew Stoddard, a Democrat from Midvale. It was referred to as the, uh, by the legislature as a firearm access amendment. Excuse me. Meaning, the bill would have required the owners of firearms to keep them in a locked container or to secure them with a locking device. That would render the gun or guns inaccessible by anyone other than the primary owner and an authorized user. Meaning, there could be any number of authorized users, but they have to, uh, you know, keep a code or a way to, you know, open it that only authorized people, including the owner and then whoever they deem else to be authorized would be able to access it. So, you know, it's trying to accomplish something called secure gun storage. Um, every town for gun safety is a national nonprofit. They report that secure gun storage means or the aim is to protect children and, and adults by preventing unintentional shootings, gun violence at, sco- at schools and gun suicides. Um, and, you know, like Ed said, to be clear, the current issue is not negligible. It is estimated, according to every town, that nearly 350 children under the age of 18 unintentionally shoot themselves or someone else every year. Meanwhile, an estimated 54% of gun owners do not lock their guns securely. Those are national statistics. So, I do have a story here, as reported originally by KUTV. Just last July, a four year old and his 27 year old father were at a McDonald's drive through in Midvale, which happens to be where Andrew Stoddard is from. When the child became frustrated by his order coming out wrong, he was able to grab his father's unsecured gun and shoot at the officers who were present. No one was hurt, but it was reported that it wasn't the first time the child had taken his father's gun without the dad knowing. So when it comes to secure gun storage, obviously that is not what you want, and that is why that's not what you want. So, you know, it's, it's important to also take into account the great possibilities for safety when it comes to secure gun storage. Um, There's a nonprofit uh, which is actually an affiliate of Everytown called Moms Demand Action, which you can find at momsdemandaction.org. They are a network of parents, teachers, and moms, and on their website it was reported that households that lock both firearms and ammunition led to a 78% lower risk of self-inflicted firearm injuries and an 85% lower risk of unintentional firearm injuries among children compared to those that lock neither. I would recommend personally that HB 354 be reintroduced in next year's legislative session because it did lose in a House committee. Um, The House Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee defeated it uh, by a 3-7 to vote. It didn't even make it to the floor. So I was actually surprised by that because the bill only regulates the storage of firearms. Usually people are up in arms, no pun intended, about the possession of them or the ability to buy them. So I was surprised by the fact that it lost in committee by such a great margin when it really only has to do with how you store your gun.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to see uh, some of these bills be reintroduced in the next legislative season. Thank you so much, Kyle. Ed, are you aware of any other bills? Uh, Bills, like how many bills are we looking at besides uh, House Bill 354 within the Utah Legislature? Well,
2: there are roughly 20 bills uh, dealing with regulation of firearms in this session, and that's uh, actually a larger number than usual. Uh, Usually it's around 10. Uh, But the sad uh, thing from my point of view is that when you look at these 20 bills taken as a group, they will have little if any significant impact on preventing gun violence in Utah. The one bill that could have had a significant impact was HB 354, uh, which was defeated. Uh, The Republicans voted unanimously against it. Remember, I talked about how serious a problem suicide is in Utah. There are two proven measures for reducing the problem of suicide through, through firearms. One of them is safe storage legislation. The Republicans have slammed the door on that one once again. The other is something called extreme risk protective orders. Uh, That has been introduced in past sessions. And again, the Republicans have shut the door on that as well and they can't even, there's not even a sponsor anymore for uh, extreme risk protective order legislation in Utah. So the the two proven means of dealing with uh, suicide through gun uh, have been basically shut down uh, in Utah. Uh, And instead, uh, we're just seeing very minor efforts at dealing with uh, the gun violence uh, problem. Now, there is one uh, encouraging note uh, that I would like to point out, and that is uh, Representative King's HB 86, uh, which deals with data collection. Uh, The uh, members, uh, the leadership in both houses of the legislature have been uh, talking a, a lot more in recent years about the importance of having good data. Uh, in uh, developing public policy positions. Uh, uh, The problem is when it comes to regulating uh, firearms and addressing gun violence, the legislature has a habit of relying on bad data, the best example there being on the adoption of uh, permitless carry two years ago, or even worse, no data at all. Uh, what we have in HB 86, uh, which has gotten through the House and is likely to be approved by the Senate, so that's why I say it's an encouraging sign, is a requirement that when uh, a firearm is, re- is uh, recovered from a restricted person, uh, they're required to uh, collect the data on what the source of that firearm was. So the reason that's valuable is once you have the data on where these guns are coming from, you can develop legislation to address it. So for example, if it turns out that these restricted persons are getting their guns by uh, purchasing them from private sellers, then the private seller loophole could be closed. Uh, If they're getting them by stealing them from homes because they're not properly secured in the home, which is a serious problem in Utah, Again, you could get back to safe storage uh, uh, legislation as as well. So the key here is you've got to have the data to understand the problem. And when you understand the problem, you can formulate the legislation that will help you get there.
3: Absolutely. And something that was brought up recently to me is that there are not very many surveys going around that would take into account the uh, opinions of the younger generations in Utah. Um, just based on my own personal experience, you know, I, I know millennials and Gen Zers to be, I'll just say it, anti-gun because we've had this happen in too many schools and too many times. And, you know, I remember when Sandy Hook happened, it was on the news for like a year and people, like you said, they still, like you said, Ed, they still hold vigils. And I've actually met a survivor. Um, so it's changed when, there was a shooting at MSU about a week ago that, that fell out of the news cycle pretty quick. And, you know, it had to do with All-Star Weekend and, and Valentine's Day and other things. But I'm not at the point where I'm ready to just throw my hands and, you know, go with the complacency of it because then nothing will ever change. So I think there are a few vital first steps, and that would include secure gun storage. It would also include – and I wanted to ask Ed about this – um, the loopholes that exist for people to buy guns online and to buy guns at gun shows. So I actually don't have the information with me right now of whether or not there are any gun shows in Utah, but I there have, are. okay, so I have heard of people traveling from California where they have more stringent laws over to Nevada where they can get guns and bring it back. So, you know, this is an issue. There shouldn't be loopholes.
2: Yeah, the the private seller loophole is notorious. Uh, roughly 80 to 90% of uh, Utahans believe that that loophole should be closed. But the legislature, year after year, refuses to, uh, to do so. And the sad thing is that uh, Representative King, who used to introduce a bill each year to close that loophole, didn't even do it this year. And, and it's not surprising, because most years, it never even made it out of the Rules Committee. And the one year that it did make it out, of uh, the Rules Committee, uh, it was uh, voted, out, voted down uh, by the House Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee. So that's a serious loophole. Uh, Why does a truck uh, and the legislature just uh, refuses to, uh, to close it? Uh, and it's, it's really unfortunate because background checks do work. 2,000 people a year in Utah try to buy a gun even though they're restricted persons, and they get caught so that they aren't able to buy the, the gun as a result of the background check. Now, does that mean that they can't go find a gun someplace else? No, they do, one of which is they go to a private seller, and there's no background check. Uh, so that it's just so obvious that that loophole should be closed. The people of Utah recognize it, but somehow the legislature just doesn't get it.
1: Ed, do you think we could see universal background checks implemented in Utah?
2: I, I just don't see it. I mean, the sad reality, despite the fact that 90% of the people think it's a good idea, year after year, the legislature has had the opportunity to adopt it, and they don't do it uh, to the point where Representative King didn't even introduce the bill this year.
1: Oh, Wow. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to uh, add or emphasize in this conversation? There is
2: one other bill that I'd like to mention that I, that I am really concerned about, and that's uh, HB 107, uh, which uh, provides an exemption for the concealed carry permit fee for school personnel. And the bottom line of that bill is that it could incent as many as 700 more uh, school uh, employees to uh, to uh, conceal carry uh, in the schools. Uh, and I just think that is a recipe for tragedy. Uh, there is no requirement in that bill that the school personnel get uh, specialized training in how you, concealed, how you conceal carry in the midst of children. Uh, we had a tragedy a number of years ago where a teacher shot herself accidentally in the bathroom. Uh, those kinds of accidents can happen. Uh, these uh, these teachers or school personnel are also not required to go undergo any specialized training uh, t- in terms of how you act in the midst of an active shooter situation uh, I, i'm very concerned that we're going to have more guns and schools in a situation where it's going to lead to uh, increased danger for our children not increased safety
3: i have one more question for you ed so Something that's been brought up to me as a possible solution would be locking down the schools. Every school in the country, every school in Utah, you need a key card to access the buildings. You need uh, uh, metal detectors at the doors. Do you think this is at all possible?
2: Well, it's certainly possible. Uh, whether there will be a will, the will in the various school districts to do it or not uh, is, is hard to say. Um, I think it's a, it's a difficult decision that each community needs to make uh, for itself in terms of how they want to address that problem. And that's democracy. <laughs> I just wish sometimes it worked a little better, because
3: what I'm hearing a lot is that the legislature doesn't listen to the people. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why that would be, because if, not, if it's not democracy, then what else would
2: it be? Well, there's one word that I think explains it, and that word is, is gerrymandering. There we go. You heard it here first, folks.
1: Uh, Ed, how can KRCO listeners take action? If they've heard this show and now they are motivated, what can our listeners do?
2: Well, they certainly can write their uh, their legislators. Uh, most legislators have a, a means for their constituents to send them comments by email. You just go to uh, le.utah.gov, which is the legislature's website, click on your legislator, and most of them have a a space where you can send them an email message and tell them, uh, you know, vote no uh, on HB 107, for example, which is the one that I just talked about uh, that deals with uh, the uh, increased guns and concealed carry permits in schools. Uh, It's it's difficult to get through to your legislature sometimes uh, on this issue, but uh, they need to hear from their constituents uh, how they feel
1: absolutely. Thank you so much, Ed Rutan, and uh Kyle uh. For joining us on this conversation about gun safety regulation here on Radioactive. Coming up, a panel of students will be discussing bills currently being presented in the Utah legislative session. But first, we will be listening to a song that truly highlights our generation's emotional observations of helplessness in this world. This is Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer on KRCL 90.9. KRCL amplifies
0: the work of community nonprofits, like Comunidades Unidas, an organization that fights to build the social and political power of people who identify as Latinx immigrants, including undocumented folks living in Utah. More details at cuutah.org.
4: Support for Radioactive comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Love Promise Community Commitment, a partnership with nonprofit organizations that aim to make the world a better place. More information about the Love Promise and Subaru products at markmillersubaru.com.
1: Hey, KRCL listeners, that was Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer on KRCL 90.9. That song resonates with me so much, and I hope it did for you guys as well. I am your host, Mavini Burnham. Joining me for our next segment are SLCC students, Macaulay Blackburn, Kyle Forbush, Braden Timmerman, and Marcy Young Cancio, a SLCC journalism professor, is here as well. Thank you so much for being, with he- being here with me tonight as we cover some very important topics. How is everyone feeling? And
5: you are welcome to be completely honest. You know what? Uh, I think I'm feeling good. Nervous as always to be on radio, but here we are. Thank you, Macaulay. Of course.
4: Yeah, and- honestly, I feel very much the same. I'm really excited to be here tonight. This is Kyle. It gets easier every time. <laughs>
6: Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. And I think that you guys are doing a great job. It's, I know that we're diving into legislative pieces right now, which is always um, complicated, right? And I think that we're here to talk about things that uh, are significant to the students that we have on this panel and uh, kind of giving a rundown of kind of the latest things that have been happening in the legislature today.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Marcy. Uh, We really do want to focus on the bills that we care about as uh, college students and extended. Uh, (laughs) Kyle, let's start with you. We had you on in our last segment. Can you reintroduce the bill you were talking about just in case any listeners weren't quite tuned in yet?
3: Absolutely. So it's an important time because the Utah State Legislature's General Session is coming to a close on March 3rd. The 2023 General Session of the 65th Legislature has made itself busy since January 17th of this year. It saw many different bills introduced, which we'll talk about today, some of which didn't make it out of their House committee. One such bill that I'll be talking about, uh, which I talked about in our first segment, was House Bill 354 or HB 354. So, again, HB 354 was introduced by Representative Andrew Stoddard, a Democrat from Midville. It is a firearm access amendment, meaning uh, basically it would require that owners of guns keep them in a stored, locked container. It could be a, a locking device or a literal safe. And that would render the gun or guns inaccessible by anyone other than the primary owner and an authorized user. And there can be as many authorized users as the owner permits. So the bill was rejected, as I mentioned, in a 3-7 to vote by the House Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee. It did not even make it to the House floor, which, like I said, kind of surprised me because it's more about storing your guns than buying guns or possessing them. So uh, to recap... Secure Gun Storage aims to protect children and adults by preventing unintentional shootings, gun violence at schools, and gun suicides. And there are proven statistics. Um, let's see. According to Every Town, a national nonprofit, nearly 350 children under the age of 18 unintentionally shoot themselves or someone else every year. Meanwhile, 54% of gun owners do not lock their guns. So what I want to just touch on um, is citizen action. And this bill did not pass. I want it. I would love to see it reintroduced next year. And we need some citizen support. So that means calling our representatives, which our guest in the first segment, Ed, described how to do it. But I'll remind listeners, there will be a, a link in the show notes on the blog on krcl.org after the show for clicking on the link will bring you to the legislature's website. And then from there, you use your zip code to search for your representatives if you don't know who they are already um and that's just one you know one aspect of citizen activism um this also means signing petitions and rallying and if you want to be interested if you're interested in uh, getting involved there's a local or there's no local chapter of students demand action which is a subsidiary of every town so you could contact students demand action tell them you want to volunteer in utah they don't have a chapter here yet so if we could get a bunch of people to start a chapter. I think that would be really cool. If you're a mom and you're listening, there is a there is a chapter of Moms Demand Action in Utah. So all you have to do is go to momsdemandaction.org and sign up, and they'll contact you.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kyle. Other members of our panel, do you have any thoughts that you would like to add to this conversation about gun safety?
5: I think Kyle was really eloquent with it. I think he summed up gun safety. It is really important to all of us because we're all students. And something that I really fear is that, you know, I might go to school one day and somebody might walk in with a automatic rifle and, you know, kill me or injure me. And that's totally a real possibility. It's not an irrational fear. So, I don't know, uh, protect youth, you know? Come on, Utah. Absolutely, thank you, Macaulay. Anybody else?
4: Yeah, actually, um, my name is Braden Timmerman. Uh, I've been on the show a few times before to discuss queer related issues. Um, I work at the Gender and Sexuality Resource Center at Slick, at the college that I attend. Um, and it's, it's a conversation we've had a lot at the center um, with being an, an open campus, um, as well as being like a queer oriented resource center. There is admittedly a target on our backs. And so it, it, is, it is something that I reflect on a lot. And I really appreciate that Kyle has brought a lot of that concern to light on the show.
6: As a professor, and I'm in the classroom teaching all the time, I often, especially when we see news of another mass shooting in the country, I'm always kind of looking around the space and saying, thinking about what the exit strategy would be. How would I barricade this door? How would I direct students to stay safe? What, Whenever I go into any room, I think about that, and I think that's a really horrible place to be in, but I know that we're all thinking about it and talking about it, particularly when another shooting happens, but For me, as we're thinking about all of these laws, I think that uh, we're also looking about what that could practically mean for us, what we can do in a moment, independent of
1: waiting for laws to kind of make some changes. Thank you, Marcy. Uh, Kyle, you had something else to add?
3: So for anyone interested in more information on gun control in Utah, please tune into our show, uh, Voices Amplified, on Radioactive, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM, on Thursday, March 30th. Uh, My name is Kyle Forbush. I'll be the host And our focus will be simple. How do we as citizens fight to reduce gun violence?
1: This really is the reality that we are living in at this point with gun violence, honestly, constantly on our minds. I remember as a actual child getting receiving lessons about how to be safe in these kinds of uh, worst case scenarios, which was really hard. And I feel like this generation having to grow up with this as our reality has impacted our mental states. And it absolutely needs action to move forward to make all of our lives better. Uh, McCauley, uh, you've been working with the Great Salt Lake Collaborative for a year now. Are there any acts of legislature surrounding the Great Salt Lake you've got your eye on?
5: Yes, there's a few I've got my eye on. Um, the first one that I'd like to talk about is House Bill 286. This bill, it, it, it's centered on Bear River Development. And if you have read any of my work before, you know that I do not like Bear Development. Bear River development is will be detrimental to the lake. The Bear River is the is the biggest tributary to the lake, so keeping this river healthy is like essential to keeping the lake healthy. Um, This bill will stop funding for Bear River development in 2023, which is great. I'm happy about that, but I do have some um, qualms with it because it will resume funding for Bear River development in sorry, blanking, ah, uh, 2028. So that is just not great. I really want bare Development to be completely taken off the table. It's not safe uh, for the lake. It's not safe for the people. As we know, the lake protects us from the toxic chemicals in the bed, and we need to keep this river healthy. Um, I have another bill related to the lake that I would like to talk about. It's House Bill 450. Um, This is another bill I'm really excited about because even though the primary, um, the primary cause of uh, the lake drying up, of the number one reason that water is being diverted from the lake is for agriculture. Um, another thing that is, you know, taking up the water that goes to the lake is that uh, people here are watering their lawns like crazy, and it's just not sustainable. So this bill, House Bill Four Fifty will restrict some of those uh uh, plants that aren't water wise there's also going to be a buyback program where um the government will pay you for your mulch which is cool and i i wish people would you know want to save the lake without having to be you know motivated by money but it is what it is you know so yeah those are the bills i've got on my radar regarding the lake specifically
1: thank you macaulay or any of our Uh, Panel members interested in chiming in about this conversation surrounding the Great Salt Lake.
6: I want to tap in really quickly. This is Marcy. I'm an assistant professor of journalism and working with all of these amazing emerging journalists. Next week, as Kyle was teasing a future show, next week um, we'll have Alexis Pernod, who has been the legislative intern with the Great Salt Lake Collaborative on this show talking about the legislation all around water and the Great Salt Lake that have been happening up at the Capitol Capitol this session. So they'll be joining us if you're interested in Great Salt Lake-related issues, the crisis happening at the lake, what sort of solutions work's been going into that, and how that's been playing out legislatively. You'll definitely want to tap into the show next week.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Marcy.
3: Thanks, Marcy. Um, Yeah, I just want to know, whatever happened to yellow is the new green? I, why are people watering their lawns?
5: I don't know, but you know, I actually interviewed a scientist up at Utah State University. Her name is Dr. Sarah, Dr. Sarah Knoll, and she said that if people last summer would just completely stop watering their lawns, let it go yellow, it wouldn't kill your grass. It will just it'll come back the next year. So what I want to see for this upcoming summer, I hope I see a lot more yellow grass because your grass isn't going to die, but the lake's ecosystem very well could and it's collapsing now so let your grass die save the lake
3: i uh, my mother lives in albuquerque and you know they know they don't have grass they they know they don't have grass and they make good use of their landscaping despite it they they have these beautiful you know side of the road structures with rocks and and desert shrubs and we live in a desert let's not kid ourselves like I- it's not as much of a desert as albuquerque but you know if the lake goes i I don't know what would happen. I think this area would become in, inhospitable, inhabitable, and we'd all have to leave, which no one wants that. Like, I love living in Utah. I do. I just want the best for it.
5: And, you know, House Bill 450 does have, you know, some funds allocated to help people change their landscape to save the lake. So if that's something you care about, you know, stay tuned. See what you can do. Visit thegreatsaltlakenews.org to read more.
1: Utahns, don't be confused. Just because we are getting lots of snow does not mean we are not in a desert. We will still get hot summers coming our way. We appreciate the water that we've received now, but don't get too excited this is still a problem that we need to be addressing moving on uh brayden what has been your reaction to the passing of senate bill 16 banning affir- a gender affirming care for g- transgender youth
4: well Mavney, honestly to be candid um, it's devastating. It's, it's just devastating. I mean, so many students in the center have come to us and expressed concerns moving forward with their health care, um, something that I believe is a human right. I think trans rights are human rights. I think healthcare care is a human right. And I think to deny this group of people um, that human right, I mean, on the basis of, of ignorance, uh, on the basis of blatant discrimination, it is just, it, it baffles me. So I'm devastated with the passing of Senate Bill 16.
1: Are there any other bills that you're aware of that relate to trans care?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is there is no short amount here in Salt Lake. Uh, One of the other bills that was introduced, and if I recall correctly, it was passed as well through the Senate, um, is Senate Bill 93, which would uh, prohibit uh, teens, minors, young adults um, from amending their name on their birth certificate. I mean, that's I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want somebody to be able to to choose a name that makes them feel comfortable to a name that makes them feel safe to something that makes them feel seen and something that makes them feel heard it, it just is monstrous to me to be quite frank with you um, one of the other bills that we had seen in this legislative session that i also believe was passed uh, was senate bill 100 um, and that bill uh, to my understanding would also require um, school officials uh, teachers, parents, etc., cetera, uh, to report on students who are identifying by pronouns that are not on their birth certificate, that are not um, assigned to them. It would also require students, faculty, staff, parents to report uh, when a student is going by a different name that is not on their birth certificate, not on their ID. Um, once again, monstrous. That is monster behavior. hate to say it. Um, it, it just is an, un- an unnecessary attack on on children, on people, on young adults who want to live their life and who know that um, the way that they need to live their life might be socially misunderstood, and they they just want to pursue that in peace. So that is one of the other bills that I'm really distraught with.
1: The Um, bills seem to be focused on minors specifically, mm -hmm. and these are children who are not yet of voting age. So all of these bills are being presented on Mm -hmm. their behalf and... Mm -hmm. Basically, they have no response. They physically cannot respond to these bills being presented until they turn 18. And now this uh, current generation of uh, millennials and Gen Z that have become 18 and are able to vote, I definitely think it's important that the younger generation does get more involved, especially in this state, to make sure that these younger voices are heard. Is there anyone else that would like to chime in about transgender care?
3: Yeah, I hate to get political. This is Kyle again. I There's something in the conservative ideology that doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, they, they'll regulate and allow going back to the gun control situation, Um, they'll regulate and allow, you know, the ownership of guns. And they they decry personal freedom and independence. And then when someone wants to choose a name that they weren't given at birth, they uh, bucket that. So, you know, there there are just some hypocrisies there. And I could go on, but um, I think we just need to kind of lay everything out on the table and look at it for what it is, because these are civil rights. These are personal private rights and they're being violated.
5: Absolutely, and this is Macaulay again. As we're speaking about children, I just want to remind everybody that House Bill 40, um, which is Utah's version of ICWA, just barely moved to the full house um, for consideration next week. So if you care about children and you care about protecting indigenous sovereignty, call into your legislators, let them know this is something you care about and you employ them. So if they don't care about what you care about, then they lose their jobs. Thank
1: you, Macaulay. I feel like you're bringing up our my personal topic very well regarding uh, children and their safety. I have done a little bit of research on House Bill 152, which proposes a social media regulation for minors surrounding their accounts online, not being able to speak to other 18 plus uh, people on the social medias and sending pictures and direct messages. So it's just regulating the access that minors have so that they are more protected on social media because it is... A unregulated space at this point. This is something new. Social media has really come to arise in the past 10 years, and we're slowly seeing these legislations being passed to try and protect and regulate and really understand the social media realm that we live in at this point does anyone have anything they would like to add about their personal experience on social media or anything
5: like that no but i do think it's interesting because my little sister is she uh, just barely you know is not a, a minor but at, for a lot of times we've sent each other instagram dms so and i've been i'm seven years older than her so what, how would that affect siblings and people who are close
1: I am hoping that they have taken into consideration family and friends, specifically on Facebook, where you can set, oh, I am related to this person as my cousin, those kinds of things, but specifically receiving random DMs from people who have no profile picture, have no relation to you whatsoever, especially protecting children from uh, predators online. Thank you guys so much for this uh, wonderful conversation. We do have one more that we would like to talk about, so I'm gonna pass the conversation over to Marcy. And we, we I love this conversation. We, this is
6: one that Brandon, Braden and I really wanted to make sure we talked about. Um, we were at a event put on by the Black Student Union at Salt Lake Community College today focusing on um, the Blue Thin Line. It was a great conversation between law enforcement with leaders from the NAACP, both from Ogden and uh, Salt Lake City, and student leaders within the Black Student Union. And during that conversation, um, I think around the same time, John Johnson, a Republican from Ogden, proposed SB 283, which is titled Prohibiting Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in Higher Education. And there's no confusion even in the title of what that means. But this particular bill would would prohibit the funding of any offices or officers focused on the maintenance of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts within universities and colleges as well. So the very event that Braden and I were at would be prohibited by the Utah legislature to be happening on a college campus. And that was a pretty profound thing for me as a professor who is teaching journalism, who is teaching what representative journalism looks like to what it means to have voices being amplified through our local media so we're getting a better and a fuller understanding of the communities around us. Um, This is a a pretty significant bill. John Johnson uh, joined also last year proposed uh, SB 257, and that was a bill that would allow for. uh, It was titled "Divisive Concepts in Higher Education," and this would punish Utah teachers for talking about these divisive uh, concepts in the classroom. I mean, this was largely related to critical race theory, and so this is a representative, a senator in our Utah legislature who is pushing forward these ideas that would thwart conversation around equity and inclusion. And as someone who strongly believes that that is a crucial component to a healthy democracy um, and who teaches this as part of of my work, I find that very alarming and, and concerning. I know Braden had some thoughts on that as well.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, earlier I had mentioned that I work at the Gender and Sexuality Student Resource Center, uh, which is a student-led resource center for LGBTQIA plus identifying individuals, as well as a women's center uh, on slick campuses. And I mean, countless times have I had students come in and express gratitude and appreciation and joy and love at the fact that we have a space, that we have an area on campus where we are allowed to to be open, to be out, and, and to be welcomed with, with open arms to a community of people who understand some of the trials and tribulations that you go through as a queer person. So re- reading, I mean goodness, the title of this bill alone is just just devastating, just villainous, monstrous, as I've repeated earlier.
6: Yeah, and it is worth noting that um, uh, that this bill does have an exemption for staff implementing Title IX civil ri- the Civil Rights Act the ADA for disabilities. Um, so there are exemptions to this, but this is truly kind of an attack. I mean, it, it, it's pro. The, the title is Prohibiting Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in Higher Education. There is no way around what that is. This is an attack on diversity on college campuses.
5: And how is inclusion a bad thing? Like, why would this be a problem for anybody?
4: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, just, any, any student that you could ask coming into the center would would reflect on the space alone um, with so much sincerity and so much love It. uh, I mean, just reading over the terms and conditions of this bill, it it just devastates me to think of what these students might be experiencing, students who don't have a safe home to return to, where they can be out, where they can be open, and where they can be public with who they are and and what they believe in. It. it, I don't know. It just devastates me.
6: And it is worth noting that um, uh, Senator John Johnson is a professor at Utah State University. He teaches in the Uh, department of data analytics and information systems so he's part of this education this higher education system um and you know like pushing forward bills that would hurt many of the students in his classes i would presume Mm -hmm. so there's a lot this just dropped today so i think this is a really interesting um you know another interesting bill with one week left in the session
4: it's a lot to process
1: absolutely it's completely wild to me but thank you so much uh everyone uh thank you Macaulay Blackburn Kyle Forbi- for- Forbush I'm gonna get that right one of these times Kyle Forbush Young Cancio and Brayden Timberman for the wonderful conversation about the 2023 legislative session coming up a song that can bring comfort during hard times a classic bridge over troubled waters by Simon and Garfunkel on KRCL 90.9
0: Hey, music nerds, come out and test your knowledge at KRCL's first ever Women Who Rock Trivia Night celebrating International Women's Day on Wednesday, March 8th at Mountain West Hard Cider, 425 North, 400 West. Doors open at 630. Trivia starts at 7 with tickets at the door to benefit KRCL. Hang out with other KRCL fans. Win some great prizes, including Women Who Rock gear, Egyptian theater gift cards, fanny packs from Planned Parenthood, and more. It's Women Who Rock Trivia Night, Wednesday, March 8th,
1: International Women's Day. Details at krcl.org. That was Bridge Over Troubled Waters by Simon and Garfunkel on KRCL 90.9. I'm your host, Mavini Burnham. And now on a slightly different note, I've got Sean Stenson with me to talk sports and pop culture. Welcome, welcome. Thank
7: you, Mav. I just want to say this show has been really great, and it's so important with the topics at hand. So we're going to bring a little levity.
1: Absolutely. And uh,
7: talk about some sports and what happened uh, over the All-Star weekend. So I was uh, able to attend an NBA Cares Day of Service. Uh, as a journalist, thank you to our executive producer once again, Laura Jones. And it was just such an amazing experience. There was actually three different community service projects. I was only able to attend two of them because one was happening simultaneously. But the first one was at the Huntsman Center, which is just a cool, really neat area. I didn't know anything up there. uh, But I was at the Rising Stars where they were, you know, with the Volunteers of America. They were putting together 500 backpacks for the homeless just of like various items and then i got to you know go down to the court and just watch the rising stars the rookies and the sophomores just shoot around uh walker kessler who's like a seven foot uh player on the utah jazz he's a super cool dude and it was just really really exciting just to watch him uh practice and things like that and then i uh i, sh- I went over to the utah food bank and that was so <laughs> i can't even put it into words of like what I was dealing with over there, I, I met so many you know players and volunteers. It was just such an amazing experience. Um, they actually packed over twenty thousand pounds of food and eleven thousand pounds of oranges. It's it was so cool, and I actually got a little starstruck when I walked into one of the players that I didn't think was gonna be there. He's a top NBA 75 player, Hall of Fame, Gary Payton. And this is what he had to say about the Utah, you know, NBA CARES program. It's a lot to me. I've been doing this for years now. What we have to
0: understand is if you see all of this, look at all the vibe now. To have fun, to help people eat. People that don't have a chance to eat. I live in a city in Washington, California where I see a lot of homeless. Like people that need this type of situation.
1: So for us to come back and give to this is a big thing for me. That's why every time when I come to All-Star and the NBA asks me what I want to do, this is the main thing I want to do. It's my first thing. It's my first thing today. And this is what I'm going to keep continuing to do.
7: NBA cares, man. We care about everybody. And that was Gary Payton, who is a Hall of Fame player. He's actually known as the glove. He's like one of the greatest point guards defensively of all time. And I was just so starstruck when I saw him. His son actually uh, got his jersey retired on december 2nd for the utah you know salt lake community college bruins and uh gary payton the second who actually won a nba championship against my celtics uh but we're not gonna go down that road but you know it was just such a great experience i mean i'm not even going to talk about the game or the saturday night because that was just awesome i loved every bit of it but the economic impact, uh, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, said it was over $280 million into the Utah community, which is actually an all-time record. So, I mean, I love the all-star experience, I, all the things I was able to experience thanks to this opportunity from KRCL and Radioactive. And it was just a cool thing to watch all this go into the community. I mean, the Utah Food Bank, they were packing all that food for kids that are going to you know, use it soon but now we're going to switch on to uh, another sport that is actually coming more current uh the real salt lake which is a soccer team and i'm actually going to try to get into it i don't know (laughs) i've i don't know how i'm going to get into it but uh you know i've always complained that there are no major league teams in utah and there are a lot actually you know uh so soccer is going to be one of them and there's a lot of interesting news coming out recently that They're going to expand the playoffs. It's going to be like a best of three series in a first round. So it helps uh, teams like Rielsa Lake to continue making the playoffs. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm going to try to attend a game. They're actually opening up this Saturday in Vancouver against the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm really interested to see how many weird team names are going to be and from where they are. (laughs) But if you're looking for something to do this weekend, there's actually a lot of Basketball going on at the Huntsman Center for the Utah Utes. The uh, eighth ranked Utah Utes are actually playing the number three ranked Stanford um, women's basketball team. So that's something to look forward to. And so a lot of sports. (laughs) It's very exciting. And, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to all the events that are going to come up. So now we're going to switch gears into something that we can both talk about absolutely and, and that is our pop culture nugget and with ant-man and the wasp and quantumania it's it's a mouthful yes it's I a wish, lot of words. i wish i sure. just called it kang time because that's the <laughs> only thing i went there for i'm not a big ant-man fa- uh, fan but i am a big jonathan majors fan mm-hmm. so you actually saw the movie as well. i have
1: not seen it i am a huge marvel fan yeah. so i've been keeping it up it is basically my for you page i've gotten a lot of mixed reviews, yeah, though. you know what?
7: I loved it for what it was. it was it was very different from all the Marvel you know projects. And I hate when reviews come out before I go and see it, you know, it's just I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna give it my own review. And I loved it. you know, it was just it was fun. It was different. And the acting from Jonathan Majors Kang is just, and he's gonna be in there going forward. But there were some other things that I did not like, uh, specifically Modok. But I'm not gonna go into that. If you've seen <laughs> it, you know. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> no please. spoilers. Spoiler I will. Free. I will try not and. If you are going to see it, make sure you stay for the end credit scenes because there's two of them and I am big fan of end credit scenes. I love them so much.
1: I will stay 20 minutes after a movie eating at the very bottom of my popcorn. (laughs) Just like give me more. I will sit here forever for 30 seconds more of this movie. I don't care.
7: I actually want to go see it again because my fiance wasn't able to go see it with me. So I'm hoping she will be up to it and go see it again with me. I love it so much. I will see it five more times in theaters i'm very excited just about. let me
1: know when it's out on disney plus and then maybe you gotta I'll get see the it. theater
7: experience because i love the whole thing with people laughing and everything like that and uh one last thing before you know uh hamilton is actually coming back to salt lake city if you've seen it on disney plus well you should go to you know the theater and actually see it in person that's what i'm going to try to do i don't care how expensive it is i want to see it
1: it is absolutely amazing. One of my favorite musicals, honestly, you can barely call it a musical. It's basically an opera. So incredible. I'm so happy that it is coming back to Salt Lake. Great opportunity for all of you Hamilton fans out there.
7: Absolutely. And I think that's going to I think that's going to do it. Yeah. I'm Sean Stetson. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Yes, to take us out, we've got I'm Still Standing by Elton John. You never know.
7: KRCL, Salt
1: Lake City.
0: And all this time, you thought that rusted out pickup truck was junk. Call KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars, Inc., to tow your car and donate the proceeds to KRCL. You could pick up a tax deduction while you're at it. Learn more about donating your vehicle to Community Radio by clicking the support tab at krcl.org.